Welcome, welcome, welcome to the No Bad Dudes podcast. We are back and we have a special guest with us. We have co-commissioner Matthew Anderson. Matthew, say hi to the folks at home. Hi to the folks at home. Uh, I am your co-host, Brad Anderson, joined by... Oh, Eamon DC right here. There he is. The gnarly sax. Uh, So, Matt is our reigning champion, also our co-commissioner. So, we thought it would be appropriate to bring him two-time. Yes, thank you, Eamon, two-time. There's 75% of the championship (laughs) in this podcast. Um, and he, his team name is Catcher in the Rye. So, Matt, uh, tell us a little bit about Catcher in the Rye and why you named your team that way and why you stuck with it. Okay, interesting. Uh, so, Catcher in the Rye is my favorite book. Um, if no one's read it, it's a great book. You should all read it. But um, Holden Caulfield. Yeah, great. Uh, it. The longest story short is that it's very indicative of my fantasy football personality in general, which is I like to display a persona of not really caring too much about fantasy football uh, unless it comes to talking about fantasy football. So everything else other than the talking about it and actually like playing it, um, I kind of don't really care about. So I thought it was funny that the word catcher um, is in the title because when you play football, you catch things. And so I chose that as my team name, and there's nothing more sophisticated about it than that. All right. All right. I was hoping there was a whole backstory. Yeah. Sorry to disappoint. It's, no, it's, it's all right. It's all right. Um, I think Brad's going to be disappointed by everybody's team name and then just lower the energy of the podcast. We're, we're no, I, not all of us have players on our team with the last name Chubb. So, you know. I think like Hot Chubb Time Machine was, I think it was given to me by you, Matt. As, it was yeah. as a joke but uh in other leagues stark raving brad is my moniker which i think is a great name um it, it was, was also game. given to you by me yeah so There's uh more bush league in my opinion is naming your team after a player in your team just you know what just beginner amen let's let's relish in the fact that i totally agree with you should we end the podcast there yeah, There's agreement not? between Matt. I get, Ray, I get agreement with Matt and Ray today. Like, I think we should just call it a league. <laughs> what is going to happen? I think it's going to be Armageddon. Like, who's going to win this year? It's not going to be the normal person. Okay, so just here's what's going to happen on the podcast today. We are going to cover uh, three topics. Uh, we're going to get to know Matt, kind of his strategy, what he's looking forward to uh, this season. Then we're going to go to dudes that i don't want anything to do with this year with their current adp or like um units more like the you know pittsburgh Steeler backfield that's not who anybody is not choosing but uh and then we're gonna do a little breakdown of some uh controversial or uh where there's some contention of rules that are out there because our deadline or our rule um voting is coming up so, um, with, but before we get to that, we're just going to do a dude, what's on your mind. So this is just a little quick hitter of what's on your mind, either in the NFL or, uh, fantasy. So Aiden, why don't you go first? Okay. So what I think is, uh, what I will address is that, um, 
recently there's some big news that's happened uh, in the last two or three weeks, and it has drastically changed everybody's ranking in fantasy football. Uh, I think a prime example, uh, the first one is Cam Akers going down, and then every fantasy analyst decided to make Daryl Henderson their like 19th RB, which is crazy. Uh, and then this week with weirdly double injuries that are exactly the same injuries on the Colts uh, with with Carson Wentz going down and uh, what's the guard's name? Uh, Quentin Nelson. Quentin Nelson having the exact same injury where they have to remove a bone from their foot. Everybody wants to drop Jonathan Taylor from like the fifth RB in consensus rankings to like a second round pick. And I think it's so early. There's no preseason. And I think everybody overreacted. And, like, it also, I think it represents, like, a world where, you know, analysts aren't really analyzing stuff in a healthy way, which makes me wonder, like, sometimes, uh, like, the Rams. The Rams had one season under Sean McVay where you had a valuable running back. He's coached four years. Like, at the end of the day, Sean McVay wants a committee. So when you're when you're talking about taking Daryl Henderson over – Mike Davis, Miles Gaskin, or Chase Edmonds. And like those guys, they're all committed to, they went into the offseason with the plan to use those guys to put Daryl Henderson ahead of him when he was giving the job two separate times and failed to do it. Just, just, just tells me the fantasy community just looks for any kind of information and they want to be the first person to, to, to jump up and say this. And I, I think it's also just true about Jonathan Taylor where it's like, you know, I don't know if, if, if Carson Wentz is a giant is much better than Jacob Eason for like a game or two. Like Jacob, like Carson Wentz is pretty terrible. So if if you believed in Jonathan Taylor with Carson Wentz, I don't think you should be like, he was my fifth best or fourth best running back. And I should uh, now put him in the second round because, you know, a terrible quarterback got hurt. Um, so I, I just, I think, you know, as we have weeks coming up and there may be something happening, uh, just be careful with fantasy analysts because they're just looking for anything to have their hot take on because otherwise they just kind of become like mashed potato where it's like you can't tell fantasy pros from footballers from CBS sports line to like hacks like Matthew Berry. So watch out for the reaction and watch out for the hot takes. And Eamon continues with his preseason hatred of the Rams. Matt, what is... What's on your mind? Um, I think the thing that I'm most intrigued about is the combination of the extension of the season. I know it's only one game, but the extension of the season combined with a shorter preseason. Um, you know, it, it's this thing where it's like we're viewing it as, ooh, cool. We have one more you know, game, one, one more week. Uh, and it's sort of like it may make playoffs uh, more easily uh, digestible and may make us, uh, you know, uh, be allowed to play more, more uh, managers in the, in the league throughout the season. But the other thing that it's doing that I just always forget about until I look at the schedule is that it is, it's literally shortening the preseason by a week. So there are, you know, potential implications uh, in that we don't get to see uh, players for as long. Players may be benched in different ways. Um, will it actually contribute to promoting to fewer injuries, um, fewer teams getting to uh, reverse engineer strategies of the other teams? I mean, there's all this just weird tacit under the table stuff that um that that's the thing i'm probably thinking about the most and fascinated to see how it unfolds cool uh and for me 
uh, it's league related. I made my first trade. I am in season. Uh, you know, as everybody in this pod. And just nine more to go. Just nine more to go. <laughs> yes. I, I, I have to hit my, uh, by Thanksgiving, I need to make at least 10 trades. So got one done. I'm actually making an, oh, I made two um, because I have one with Ryan and I have one with uh, Jay. And there's actually going to be a, a quick little one with Jay too, because we we kind of screwed up the the pick that's supposed to go to Jay. So um, yeah, I'm like in season now, and it finally feels like I can like see and feel uh, the draft coming. And the other thing that's on my mind, I'm going to Seattle. I'm going to be in Seattle with brother Matt um, for the draft. You know, in past drafts, uh, we've like collected around pools in California. We've done them in Eamon's living room. So it always is a special time. And I'm glad that we are able, I'm able to do it in this way with Matt this year. So great. That racks up that segment. Can we, can we, can we like sit in on the, on the trade you made? I sure. Think there's some, I think there's some value to discussing it. Um, cool. Can you just clarify what the, what the issue was? Oh, so instead of sending, um, Jay, my 12th pick, 12th round pick, it'll be probably Jay's 12th round pick that I, of his back because it doesn't matter. He's just going to get uh, Mark Andrews. So I'll have my 12th round pick, which the way that things are going to line up will give me the third, around the third, probably the front half of the 12th round compared to Jay's, which would be towards the back half. So there's no picks involved. If you, you're just canceling out the picks part of the trade, right? Yeah, just yeah, just not canceling out. Just tr- like sending him the his old one, and he's going to send me back mine because okay, we just so the 16th messed that round up. Does, doesn't matter. No, no, that's um, all. That's all the same. So uh, you know, I'll since you know we shouldn't. Oh, I think we should if it's if one of us is involved with the trade and it's not with each other. I think we should introduce it from a little outside perspective. Sure, um, you guys can talk about. I think this is actually a great specific uh, first trade to actually talk about because I think this represents our relationship in this league where, honestly, if if we only do an hour and 20 minutes of podcasts, that's probably less than 10% of the time me and you talk about fantasy football in a week. <laughs> Matt as well. <laughs> so what I would say was like last week, we had a very, very poignant conversation about Travis Kels or Kelsey, whatever we're going with. Um mm-hmm. And, like, I just, you know, we talked about it because every year you want him. And then, like, this is the year you actually control that. And you're going to try your best to get him this year just in case something weird happens. But you should have him. And I think, you know, obviously because I, when I saw the trade, it didn't make sense. I was like, why are you paying even extra to get rid of Mark Andrews? But um, I, I think Mark Andrews is a more valuable player than Baker. But what I think I told you in text was, like, this is uh, – you know, sometimes you make a trade and you lose the trade, but you make your team better. And I, I think I, I think this is the perfect example. Like, you now have the freedom to go get Travis Kelsey and you have a positional advantage at the only position where if you get one player, it's a provisional, uh, uh, a positional advantage. And I, I think there's probably no better person to talk about this more than Matt after last year. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Yeah, that that Mahomes Kelsey stack didn't help you out at all last year. No, um, not a bit. Uh, 
yeah, you know, I, I, I thought like, yeah, I did lose the trade looking at like, if you put them both on a scale. Um, but it, I don't think that it's so dramatic um, that it, it hurts me. It, you know, it's a 10 round pick, which is probably going to be someone that I throw back anyways or whatever. So um, Matt, you want to, any thoughts on the trade or you cool? I mean, I think my overall thought is that anytime you've got gray area with, with, um, you know, mutual players on either side, uh, th- there's potential for it to be a win-win for both, both parties. Right. So, and that's how I view both these players. Like it's just as likely to me that Mark Andrews continues to not be uh, as studly and has question, question marks uh, around him and maybe isn't uh, as valuable a tight end as we all really hope that he might be just because for whatever reason, Lamar Jackson apparently um, can suck at times. And we didn't think that was going to be a thing. Um, I think it's, that's just as likely as Baker could all of a sudden not be as crappy a quarterback as he's been. Um, so, you know, in, in situations like that, uh, to Eamon's point, I think it all comes back to um, looking at the actual construction of each manager's team. Right. And in this case, you know, if I look at Jay's team, it's like, it makes a lot of sense for him to, you know, lock that down based on, you know, draft capital, what I assume he wants to do. Same for you. I think it makes sense to, you know, open that position up for yourself, keep a different player and try and take Travis Kelsey from me. Go for it. Yeah. The other thing that I, you know, this is just a personal thing. I like having in this league, one keeper be a QB. It just feels like it gives me a little bit more room in the draft. So cool. So let's move on to the next section, which is getting to know this dude, getting to know this dude. Uh, so Matt, I'm going to ask you just a few questions about uh, overall fantasy stuff. And then specifically about this league. So compare your fantasy strategy in another league that you have maybe a more conventional league compared to this league and uh what are the things what are the big differences in your strategy uh oh i mean it's huge this is this league is is different than almost every other league that i either currently play in or have played in uh in in substantial reasons and there it's all it's all the same those differences are all the same it's the only super flex league i've ever played in it is the only league that has ever had keepers that I've played in. And it's the only league that uh, in addition to that specifically pulls players out of the, the draft pool, mm. you know, hence, hence our namesake. Yeah, yes. I think those three things combined, it's, it's fairly straightforward to guess how that immediately changes your strategy. I mean, you just can't draft certain players at all. You can't draft certain players in the same order. Um, and then I, I certainly think that there are, there have been some other times in which I have played in, um, different numbers of teams. So I've played in 10 team leagues, played in 14 team leagues. That that would be the only other thing I can think of that was the biggest difference. Otherwise, those are definitely the things that, that changed my strategy the most. Cool. So like with, um, you know, what, what I kind of just reflected uh, that, hey, I like to have a quarterback in this, uh, in this league going into it. Are there things, are there like tent poles that you like, besides, of course, Patrick Mahomes, that you like to have in your strategy that have shaped or something that you can look back and be like, oh, when I've drafted, looking back, here are some things that I've done that, you know, without like hurting uh, your, you know, without giving giving the it away. But yeah. you get what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that, that hasn't changed, so maybe, maybe be more interesting to sort of answer the question that way. The, the one uh, sort of strategical slash, you know, me persona style of thing that is shared across all of my leagues, but I've had to tweak it based on this league format 
is that I always, always have strived, strived to isolate a single, uh, let's call it a hero player, one particular player that each year, that, you know, I, I like to basically spread players around on my teams. I don't like to draft the same players over and over again across my leagues just to sort of like spread my risk out. But there's always one player each year that I will go for in all of my leagues because I'm that uh, positive that I want them on my team and believe in them. So if you think even through this league, um, you know, first year, Patrick Mahomes, second year, Todd Gurley, third year, Dalvin Cook, fourth year, Justin Herbert. These are the players that like I took um, at places where other people might not have taken them exactly. And that's because I like really believed in them at, at where they were. How my strategy has changed there is that in my other leagues, for example, last year uh, in one of the leagues I was playing with, I, that, that targeted player for me was Kyler Murray. Well, I can't take Kyler Murray in this league because it's a keeper for Eamon. So um, that I had to pivot that strategy and find somebody else that was a secondary, like an additional uh, mm-hmm. hero player for me. Uh, but that's, like, that's sort of like the best one I can come up with that is like a shared strategy that I always employ. Are so, you, uh, like, well, are you going to tell us who that player is after the draft, yeah. so we can know? Yeah, sure. I think uh, write it down, date it, <laughs> take so take a is picture. It a keeper? Is anybody keeping him? Possibly. Not that I'm aware of. No, that I mean that defeats the purpose. It, it, they wouldn't be my hero player if I can't draft them. Well, you were just you gave Kyler Murray, which I think was pretty obviously. So I just wonder if it was already somebody like, and you're like, no, uh, Brian's already keeping. Uh, Gibson or somebody I don't know I don't know who you're. Your oh right, yeah, no, I I could I could certainly circle back and tell you if I identify a player you know in my other leagues that I want to take, but they're kept here and so I have I have to pivot it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's cool. So last year I actually thought because we you know we can look back last year I thought that that player that as you were speaking I mm-hmm. was like oh it's Travis Kelsey because you like you did a lot of like mm-hmm. to get him in the first round. And had him in other leagues, so uh, or wanted him in other leagues. I don't know if you actually got him in the in the one that, the other league that we we're in. I did, yeah. No, I don't. Travis Kelsey doesn't fit that mold though, because specifically, it's got to be a player that no one else necessarily. They might be like, yeah, okay, that's cool. Like, like, like the year I drafted Patrick Mahomes, there were certainly other people and, and keen managers who would be interested in in um, having him, but not necessarily to take him at the round that I took him in. Um, and same with Todd Gurley, like everyone thought Todd Gurley was kind of like maybe busted, um, the, the year that I took him and then he turned into like, that was his superstar year. Yeah. Same, so same, same sort of year. thing. So that was yeah. the first draft you took, you took Gurley in the third and then you took, uh, Mahomes in the seventh. Seventh or eighth, right? Yeah. yeah. Sounds about right. Can I play a game with you, Matt? Of course. Cool. Uh, if I guess the player, uh, will you say yes? The player for this, this year? Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine, you know, fine. Well, but here's, here's, the, here's the thing. Uh, I don't know who that player is yet, so okay, I, cool. I can't, it's not fair. But, like, a thing that, like, I'm looking at, like, oh, and I'm hearing things, it's like, oh, you like a guy maybe is a little further back, like, not in the first two rounds. It's like someone who's a little further back, maybe not so obvious. Yeah, oh, I mean, I think cool. the, the one thing I can tell you uh, is that some years there are more than like Amy was just pointing out. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I may have conflated like the year separation. Like every once in a while, there, there's a season that comes up where there's there's actually more than one where I'll actually like double down and be like, I actually believe in both of these players, and so I'll go after both of them and I want them no matter what. 
uh, I'm happy. I'm more than happy to disclose that last year I had two players. One of them was Herbert. The other one who I didn't get because one manager was even more aggressive and took that player so much earlier than even I was going to take them early. That player was Justin Jefferson. So I didn't get Justin Jefferson on my team last year. Ray got them and I, and I made a stink to him about it when it happened. And I was really bummed that took place. Um, and I've traded for him and now he's on my team. So cool. Awesome. Um, I thought you were going to say Antonio Gibson there. So tell us a little bit about what you're looking at. I mean, I don't know how much research you've done, but like what you're going to be like your biggest worry heading into this draft with your, you know, as much as you can disclose or you're comfortable with and like what you're going to be watching for um, maybe in the first five rounds or something. Okay. Um, I think my biggest worry. Okay. So I think my biggest worry for this particular league is how would I word that? I guess like miscalculating a run. Um, Right. One of the things I've noticed that seems even more unpredictable than, than usual. And I not, and I haven't been able to quite, you know, put my finger on it yet. That is consistent in this, in our league every year is that there always seems to be a random run that I'm not expecting. Uh, I remember uh, one year, like four, four of the top, like five tight ends, but after Travis Kelsey or four of those top tight ends, they just like flew off the board in a single round. I don't even remember which round it was, but it was just like all of a sudden I was like, Oh, there goes George Kittle. Oh gosh. There goes all the other tight ends that I would consider drafting. Um, And then of course, if you think back to what two seasons ago, when I was, you know, basically the honorary loser in our league, I I absolutely miscalculated uh, and then failed to adjust in addition to when the secondary QB run happened and wound up leading yeah. the draft with Ryan Fitzpatrick as my QB two with no QB three. Um, so, you know, I think this year specifically, I, I always in this league have that fear in the back of my head, but this year specifically um, due to be like post championship status uh, and my draft capital, I have to be um, even more strategical and calculated about yeah. how I structure my roster and at which States. And so, I, yeah, I'm certainly worried that, I miscalculate one of those uh, and I pick a player in uh, like a, a, a position in the wrong order. And then I miss out on, on that, that, that player. So uh, Matt, um, so I'll just write down the list of draft position. Cause I think I, I've said, I'm going to take, unless something crazy happens, the last pick in the first round and Brad's mm-hmm. going to go early as possible. And here are the players who have abilities to pick their slots before your turn at number seven. Ray, which I think is a wild card, and we can all agree that, like, there's no – you can't feel confident he would want one or two, even though that would make the most sense. Uh, Mike, who will go as early as possible, so I assume he'll end up with one, two, or three. Brad will end up one, two, or three. And then Jay and Frank, I don't know how their how their keepers might affect this, but um, you should have, you know, I would say probably pick – somewhere between picks five and – 11 what are you thinking you know you traded away your second pick Mm -hmm. you have an early third um and then or well you have a third that will just swing um but where are you looking to to pick your draft slot well the uh the keen mathematician if you look at uh where my picks will land in the rounds might Mm -hmm. uh, be able to sleuth out that it likely makes the most sense for me to try and land a pick that's at the end of the first round just because the round the, the the draft picks that I'm using to keep players um, 
in the order that they rotate puts me in a position where my alternating rounds, I can use those back of the round picks to keep my players and the, the other random picks from whoever I traded from uh, to take a player not in the back. No. And it also helps me with my first and my third round pick and I don't have a second. Um, that said, um, I don't ever really commit to a certain position until I've done my own. This, some of the strategies I just revealed to you, including uh, wanting to particularly isolate which round I feel like I absolutely will have to take uh, the, the one player that I'm always looking for. And I will, once I um, determine who that is, reverse engineer what the best pick would be and just like compare and contrast with like how much further off of the ideal pick space do I need to be in order to guarantee that I get this player. And if it's not too much, I'll usually do that. See, I think uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Let me just, I think that's why like I'm very, I think there's a handful of people in our league that are going to listen to every one of our podcasts just to get an advantage. And it sounds like me and Matt will be a couple of picks apart and I don't want to tip. Like there's one guy I'm definitely like, I'm going to go early. I'm not saying somebody won't pick him before me, but there's one guy I want in the five to eight round. Um, and I think Matt might take him. So now like, I don't even want to tip at all. Ever. <laughs> I think that there was one, one year where both of you were like, both after like Darwin Thompson. Yes, Darwin Thompson. Yep. You both Darwin were like Thompson. really wanted Darwin Thompson. And I knew that both of you wanted Dar- Darwin Thompson. But like both of you are interested in Dar- Darwin Thompson. I was like, oh, maybe I should be interested in Dar but I was just like never there. And then I don't know who got him, but you were like, oh yeah, it, it was and like and you were so upset. And I was like, and then he ended up being nothing. And it's just like it's so funny. It's just like I was like, is that a, is that his hero play? Um, it was a thirteenth round pick. It wasn't. It yeah, wasn't Todd Gurley. It wasn't the hero goals. player. Yeah, it wasn't quite. It was. It was a deep sleeper. Cool. Um, Eamon, do you have any other questions for Matt before we move on? No, I, th- I think you know. Without getting too uh, pervasive into his strategy, I think we have a, a greater understanding. Um, I don't know. Maybe so, this, is, this may be a good opportunity because, like, I don't know. There's probably about twice a year that, like feeling like commissioner is a very heavy responsibility. And um, as Brad, you were kind of, a, you were commissioner for one year and then kind of one half a year. year. Yeah. yeah half um, year. <laughs> you know, what I will say is cause I have a character that for some reason, when you were co-commissioner, you were trying to make me more evil, which like wasn't cool, man. Um, Good cat, bad cop. Um, I don't know. But I what know I would say is like, I, you know, Every kind of decision that was even remotely fringe, I would, I, I always like, um, I always reach out to either person just to go like, hey, what do you think about this? Uh, I think there was like, I think when we had the rules this year that were submitted that are not sleeper supported, um, the app sleeper supported, uh, I did run a by Matt like, hey, should we head this off now or wait? And then Matt was like, let's just wait and we'll just vote it down and. Uh, we'll figure it out after the fact. So, like, you know, as much as people may want to make me a villain, I I really am trying to get out of people's way and just make a league good. And I think Matt has also done that. And I don't know if he wants to say anything about that. But I think since three of us have been on here, it might be a, a moment to just acknowledge that. Yeah, sure. I could, to- I mean, I could totally run with that. I mean, I think that's it's, it's a... It's very easy when you get down into the weeds and you think of just the work required and all of like the moving pieces behind the scenes. You just forget like sometimes why we're all doing this is like fun. <laughs> and so that's usually what like drives my decision-making process is like, I don't really have, just like I don't 
like in my, in real life, I don't really have a personal persona. And then like a persona that I take to work with my coworker, like I'm just the same all the time. Um, and that's always served me well. And so I, I just carry that forward into sort of how I treat uh, commissioner duties. So I, I wouldn't, if I had uh, something that came up uh, in a circle of friends that I felt was, you know, contentious or was going to spark debates and was going to need to be fielded, I would never take the tact of trying to go and talk to somebody and be like, hey, you probably shouldn't um, think that or, you know, share that, or we should probably like, so it's just handle it out in the open. Um, and I think even if you are unhappy with there's like, even if you accidentally wind up with six playoff teams instead of four uh, and you're bummed out about it, there are still ways to always rally and someone like a Henry or whatever will crop up and provide you with the the savior solution, uh, even though, you know, you weren't excited about it. So yeah, that's why I was sort of like err on the side of just trusting uh, the group of, of good dudes. It usually pays off in the end. Cool. Um, awesome. So let's move on. Uh, our weekly little segment that we're putting in here, uh, dude, that's crazy is, Eamon's coming up with stats. It'll lead us into our next section. Uh, so Eamon, uh, why don't you uh, give us that crazy stat, homie? Not, obviously, let's, uh, let's thank our sponsor, and we're going to go to them real quick. Dude, that's crazy is brought to you by... Are you sick of trying to compete with the advertising dollars of mobile catheters and collectible revolutionary war-themed quarters for airtime on stations like ESPN, CNN, and Fox News? Hot, Lizzie Punzel here for Podcast Advertising, the new age product loyalty builder. Powered by people's need to be heard. Activated by people's willingness to accept new ideas. We have the listeners to sell your products like mattresses, voluntary DNA collection, organic period products, subscription services for products that you would see in a SkyMall catalog or at a sharper image. Podcast advertising works because 80% of listeners use earbuds, meaning your message is less than an inch from the listener's brain. No other media format can claim that. Podcast advertising really allows you, as a business, to find the perfect partner to match your product with their show. Market a $60 pair of underwear on a political podcast that's hosted by four former presidential speechwriters focused on populist ideas for the middle and lower class. Sell brain pills on a podcast centered around conspiracy theories, MMA, and society-grifting guests. Advertise your online counseling app on a show hosted by two adult males reviewing books written for 10-year-old girls in the 90s. Stop listening to this pod and sell things on this pod. And thank you for that. Um, so my crazy <laughs> love, stat, love those guys. <laughs> love they're, them. They're amazing. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's sometimes like you don't even know what it is about before you do it. Um... So what my stat is, is I want, you know, it, it, it's not an individual stat, but I want you guys as a collective to tell me how many players you think played for the Giants who have had more than 85 receptions in a season. In the entire history of the, the, the league. Or, or you, you guys can just say a number of how many. Because, like, you know, 85 is not that many. What, the, what that's like, five games or five catches a game, or 5.1 catches a game, or something like that? Four. I'll, I'll, I'll price is right. I'll say six. Okay, so one, two, three, four. 
so it's four. Yeah, wow. I wow. So, I get so, the shiny new car. So, you know, there's been more than, it's happened more than four times, but OBJ did 101, 96, and 91. Uh, Steve Smith, uh, the former USC wide receiver, not the Carolina Panther one, ah. he had one, 107. Saquon had 91, and Victor Cruz had 86. Wow. Um, I was gonna, I was gonna wonder if Ingram was in there once, like one of his seasons, like just had like a big. Um, uh, let's see his first I season. He doesn't catch the ball; they throw it to him a lot. But yeah, that one season that like put him on the map, and then he just started dropping all the time. I thought so. I thought it was like OBJ and him. He had, uh, he had 64 catches in that season, mm-hmm. and he was catching 53.7 percent of the time. <laughs> So yes, yes. Um, this this is just to highlight, um, you know, when we're 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 going to move on to a segment where we're talking about positions groups that we're avoiding, and I I think something people don't understand is when you play in in MetLife Stadium, formerly Giant Stadium, um, the wind is a different game. So if you're if you're picking a Jets or a Giants, because I also looked at the Jets and it's also ugly. Like there's the third best. The, one of the top three receivers of all times is Richie Anderson, and he's a fullback. Um, it, it's pretty horrifying. But one of the reasons is because once you get into late October, the wind tunnels start happening in that stadium, even the new one that was built. And, you know, there's a there's a fascinating stat that Tom Brady's lowest passing percentage is in the MetLife slash Giants stadium. Um, it affects all QBs. So, you know, let's if you want, I can roll into my the more. So your crazy stat is either the Giants stat or the Tom Brady stat. Uh, they're, they're, it's collective. Oh. It's it's understanding why I'm gonna you know dudes I'm staying away from. Is that what it is? Or dudes yeah. no business? Dudes I want no business with. No business with like the branding. Um, so I think as a Giants fan, I have a very deep perspective, and I can't imagine, especially after Kenny Galladay's uh, hamstring injury yesterday, the day before that I will be drafting any Giants players within... Do you want to set up what, what the context of it is? Yeah, or, sure. Or, or I can. I, I can. I'll, yeah, go I'll ahead. do it my perspective. So these are... So this was a this was a, uh, an idea that we came up or I came up with to say, like, I'm not even drafting these guys within five rounds of what they're going. So, like, I'm not going to draft them. Now, there may be a time I pick up a player in mid season or in September or try to trade for them when stuff is clarified. But with the giants, there's, you know, right now the giants have added, uh, Kenny Galladay, Kadarius, Tony, a first round wide receiver that they want to do trick gimmick stuff with. Like they want to make him Curtis Samuel or Tyreek Hill light. Um, and then you have Sterling Shepard and Darius Slating, who they were excited for. Saquon's coming back. They signed Kyle Rudolph, plus they have Evan 50% Ingram hands there. Um, I'm pretty much out on all those receiving options because I think it's just hard to to expect like receptions and the, that type of stat yard is regularly. And I, I you know, I, I don't think um, in our in our draft board that we showed last week, I think Kenny Galladay would go into the fourth round. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I don't even think I could take him before like the eighth round, especially with the injury. Like I, you know, I'd rather have Brandon cooks like Brandon, 
Brandon Cooks has had more season or has had what one bad season and that was because of a concussion, but otherwise he's a top fifteen receiver every year. Like that's just a way better value than Kenny Galladay. And then Sterling Shepard, like he's he's had, you know, as much as everybody wants to perceive him as a PPR monster, his highest season is a sixty six. Like that's not good. If you're not getting those uh eighty yard bombs, like Sterling Shepard's gonna be painful. And it was I, I think you know, Darius Ailing had a great rookie season. And then I think last year it showed that, like, he's talented and I hope he stays on the team. But, you know, there was a reason he was a six-round wide receiver. Like, he's just he's just a very, you know, if, if you guys are short on wide receivers that week, he's a threat that will, will be valuable. So I'm out on the Giants wide receivers. I think, I think I'm out on everybody except for maybe Daniel Jones. Uh, as we've talked about offline, I'm, you know, the worst situation I think I could be at the end in the beginning of the second round is Saquon has slid there and I had to pass on him. Like it'll just, it'll give me all the diarrhea pants in the world. And I'll just be like, this is painful. Diarrhea pants can be painful. Um, yeah. I'm not like, I, I, the only thing I want to put in there is that I really want Saquon to be back mm-hmm. and I hope he's back and he's probably going to slide in our, he may slide in our draft. Who knows? But He's just the guy that I want. I want another like stud running back. So I hope that he ends up getting 91 catches again and being that like top five running back. Matt, what are your thoughts? Uh, on what the Giants specifically and Amy's yeah. claim here? Yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't really argue anything about it. Um, you know, and I think, yeah, I, I think it's always important to sort of like have those have those vibes, you know, because it's like there's going to, there's always going to be a combination of sort of like the stats, the, like the one that, Eamon just shared with us where you're just not expecting a stat to be super crazy. And then you sort of like mix that with the, then the, the extra vibes that you get in certain scenarios. And certainly the, the, the giants in general, um, you know, how they've done with um, the coaching staff recently, what you want to think about Daniel Jones, the uncertainties around Saquon, you know, the fact that they've just been like not able to string together. I mean, it's just, there's so many things that just, yeah, I can't, can't disagree. Getting into fights, like sure, yeah. big fights. No, it's like knocking it, over knocking over nets, you know, there's just it, so much stuff. It looks like it's a little bit like out of control there and not yeah. I mean who who knows? But uh cool a, man. There was a fight last year in, in Tampa Bay and they won the Super Bowl, so I just just uh, Are you making Super Bowl prediction? I I just say like if you're if you're gonna say fights, it's like well the biggest camp was, was Tom Brady at the was... bottom of the pile? No, because he's too old. You can't bend over. So Daniel Jones at the bottom of the pile. Okay, so no, um, I mean, like, I, I think if like really, I think I think I think the best way that you can sort of frame, reframe, and then unanimously agree with uh, the concerns that Eamon just provided are to think back a couple seasons ago to just how terrible Eli Manning was when he was leaving the Giants, just how brutally awful he was, right? And then think how awesome would it be? if Eli Manning was still the quarterback of the New York <laughs> Giants and it would actually probably be a good thing. And anytime you've got that in your equation, you're in big trouble. Are you both Baker boys? Why, why is, why is no OBJ? Why is OBJ a hall of famer with Eli, but then OBJ is what he is now. Injury. Uh, all right. So like three Matt, what is your, uh, what is the unit that you're staying away from? You want to know part of? Um, well, I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll preface right off the bat that uh, 
I can't think of a single group that would uh, suffice uh, Eamon's like five, four or five round requirement. I, I yeah. don't think I can think of one if I'm being honest. Sure. But I think the probably the spiciest take I could provide, and it and it's uh, it's extra good because it's not just wide receivers or running backs. Like it is a team, an entire team, that I think would probably surprise maybe even both of you and probably a lot of people in the league that I, I want absolutely no part of. And that is uh, Kyle Shanahan's backfield and wide receivers. I want like zero parts in the San Francisco 49ers. And the funny um, thing is, it's not because any of them are not super talented. Um, I think it's just because of the level of sort of like the, the combination of incoming rookies, tumult, uh, effective, but committee, um, and then rotational quarterback. So it's like, to me, I look at, you know, just let's go with the running backs, right? I think it's just as likely in week four that Raheem Mostert is the, the lead running back as it is Trey Sermon, as it is Wayne Gallman's uh, stealing touches on the, uh, on, the, on the goal line, as it is Jeff Wilson is back and he's doing that. I, I don't want that. Like, <laughs> I don't want any part of that. Uh, and then if you go to the wide receivers, I think it's just as likely that Debo Samuel comes back and immediately, you know, um, does even better than he was doing when he was on the field with Ayuk last year, as it is Ayuk continues his ascent and actually usurps Samuel fully and becomes like a true one as it is that like Richie James catches all the touchdowns as it is like Jalen Hurts used for sweeps. Jalen Hurts um, no longer on the team that time. Oh, he's not. I thought he went to new England. Oh, well maybe no, he did. Uh, did he I, I thought he was still there. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, so like, and, in Kittle, a, in a, and of course Kittle. Well, well Kittle, you can't I draft think, is, is the one. I, I can't draft him, and that's why this this one is is uh, relevant for this conversation. Because I would draft Kittle. So, like, if Kittle was included in this conversation, he would definitely fit the mold for me. Um, but then, so like to to tie that up with a bow, I think all of those things are just as likely as I think it's likely that even come week one, but more likely week two or four, Garoppolo is no longer the quarterback. Now Trey Lance is, and you can insert all of those choose your own adventure things all over again, because like, even if one, like Raheem Mostert was the primary, then Trey Lance comes in and he's throwing to Trey Sermon out of the backfield and vice versa. Like I'm not going to put any amount of the draft capital that all those players command currently into like unlimited uncertainty into which week I can play any of those players. Hmm. Uh, Jay, yeah, that's interesting. Uh, Jalen heard uh, King uh, Shanahan and King, I guess Peter King, and this is already a headline. Uh, Shanahan and King agree on Heard being 49ers X Factor in 2021. Headline. Well, there you go. Sports. There you go. Oh, I thought that he, there, I thought there was some. Who went to. It was the New England. I know who you're talking I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I thought there was a San Francisco. Anyway. Uh, that's that is pretty interesting because I I like you know and I know that you're a Debo guy like you or I you have been in, what, love Debo what was the name Kendrick Bourne Kendrick Bourne yes yeah. sorry I was getting confused with uh, other irrelevant uh, San Francisco uh, wide receivers um, and Dante Pettis and Dante Pettis please He's a giant. <laughs> perfect <laughs> uh, cool uh, Amy you want to say anything about that. Um, I, 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 I very much agree with the wide receiver position. Um, I, you know, I, I don't, you know, it's hard, it's hard to like roll out running backs on a Shanahan offense. And like, even if you're like, this is not your season long thing, but if you treat it like, um, 
I have a good running back for three weeks, like the way you would draft a quarterback in a single QB league or a defense. I think, you know, I think that is, I think there's value in our league taking Raheem Mustard for the first three weeks in round six or seven. But um, the wide receivers, I completely agree because I, I don't, I, I think they don't want to throw the ball. Um, you know, I think, I think that's their goal. I think that was their goal with Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they thought he wouldn't have to pass the ball. Um, and you know, it was a bad break. They, they almost had a chance of beating the chiefs. Um, but I, you know, Debo's hurt, Brandon Uke's hurt. I, you know, I have, I have a theory about two teams in the league and the 49ers are getting close to be the third team of like, there's some teams that just don't respect their medical. Um, so when they're in the draft, they're just going to yeah. take best player available, um, and never do that. Like that's why the chargers and Eagles are hurt every year. So when everybody keeps constantly making them their Super Bowl pick and then they don't make it because they're hurt, there's always an excuse. But it's a pattern that's too clear to just pretend like, I don't know. I don't know why the the, the Chargers defensive, defensive backs always, backs always go down. And defensive yeah. backs and the, the Eagles offensive line is always hurt. Like they got the one year, which is fine. But, um, I, you know, these 49ers players, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Debo Samuel, they all get hurt. Their running backs all get hurt. Uh, I, I think they're just not... I mean, they play an extra physical game probably more than anybody else, but it is like one of those things I just... I wouldn't want Debo or and Brandon Ayuk on my team. Cool. Uh, which leads me to... Do you want to give you, your take? I don't think you've given the, your take. Well, no. So I, I, I do like Debo and I do like Brandon Ayuk. Um, I like I like this team and I do think that like Eamon you kind of touched on it like if you are getting a guy that's a rookie that may not play right away but could grow into a role taking a Raheem Mostert who right now is the starter um, who if you think that like one of the you know Michael Carter Javante Williams will eventually take over that back their you know respective backfields taking a Raheem Mostert who, if if he is named the lead back for the first, uh, see you know for the first four weeks, hoping that those other guys come along, maybe it's worth it to be like I'm going to pair these two mid round guys, um, and collectively get a RB two or a flex player out of it. So I think that's not a bad way to go about it. Um, but you, I mean, the the danger of taking a San Francisco player is injury i believe especially in the backfield it just I, seems I to be you, on rotation. i think you could get me on board with that strategy if you didn't ha- like if you didn't have the the, the trey lance situation you know because i mean like i think you still have to mitigate with that with that strategy that jimmy garoppolo is even the starter week one <laughs> in which case you know at, at this point I, I know i don't know how likely it is but it's certainly not without outside the realm of possibilities right now especially with the quarterbacks going down that like the Colts don't go and trade for, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo or something crazy happens. And then Trey Lance is a starter. And instead he's either comp, you know, combining to run the football or check it down to Kyle use even. And then like none of the running, I mean, like, I'm just saying like in any other season, I would agree that like a Shanahan running back offense is usually so like potent, like potent and liquid with its points that even if you don't get a top 10 running back, you're almost guaranteed to get, you know, a top 20 running back with whichever one you pick on a given week. And you just sort of like roll the dice. But this year, I just think with that, with the Trey Lance situation, that's even more of a, of a dice roll that I'm just not willing to make. Yeah. The other thing that I just want to point out before we 
move on is that you know Shanahan if you can remember back to this this past draft was like oh who's Shanahan gonna take and he was doing all these smoke screens about Mac Jones and all that and and then he ended up taking Trey Lance which was what everybody thought he was going to do when it right. when he first made the move and then and now he's like oh Jimmy's Jimmy G is our starter he's gonna be our and I just like there's something about it where I'm like I don't trust sure. it yeah so well, so there's there's two things. I, I, just because I think Kyle Shannon is worth conversations like this. Um, just to start with the last point first, you know, I I think I think we're still at the point where like you can't start with the rookie and then put him on the bench. Like you just if you're not going to be like 16 games painting Manning, setting the record for interceptions in a season, um, you can't start him week one. So you know. It, it, you know, if you're bad the first couple weeks, it gives you that room to put Trey Lance in and say, like, listen, Jimmy G was bad. We don't know if Trey Lance is ready, but he's going to give us a better chance. And then you can even bench Lance again to say, like, he just isn't throwing the ball. We can't do it. But if you start him week one, it is very demoralizing to, like, pull him in October and saying like, we're going to lose the locker room otherwise. So I think that is fine. I expect Lance to be the starter in October. Um, so I'm just assuming all that, but what I will say, cause like when Matt brought this up and I haven't had the time to research it, I don't think there's a long history of like knowing which back going into the season, Kyle Shanahan likes cause his season, the season that like Devonte Freeman broke out in Atlanta, it was him or Kevin Coleman and Kyle Shanahan wasn't tipping his hand every year in San Francisco. It's like there was two or three guys you're like, you're picking between like, I think this is the deal and like this you know this is ultimately a question of a lottery ticket investment of like you know you have to bet on this it's going to pay off or not but like as long as you know what you're doing i think i think that's a, a fair assessment it's not like you know what would suck would be if you picked um mike davis because you're like i don't know if there's any upside to this and he might not be the starter in october um so i i just think with shanahan you know there's production, so it, it's worth at least buying in on it. So, yeah, I, I just – I was thinking, I think, you know, Alfred Morris, nobody knew when he was in Washington, and they did that crazy season. Um, Cleveland, I don't remember who the backs were. He wasn't there during Peyton Hillis. He didn't make Peyton Hillis at Peyton Hillis, did he? I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, cool. So let me move on to mine, which is a little spicy. I mean, I – again, I'm not going three or five five rounds back as much as Eamon's going. I guess I guess three two round two to three rounds back I would I would think of drafting this these people, but it is the Cincinnati Bengals like passing unit. Obviously Mixon is a bad dude, so he's out. Um but I am like not in on Joe Burrow. Uh reason being he's coming back from a major injury. Uh reports out of camp is that already is that he's like looks good but is really hesitant and uh isn't willing to go full out yet and one of the uh, like upsides of burrow uh and this is kind of lost is that he was mobile like coming out of lsu he was he would get some yards he would take off he would get some touchdowns so that was a part of the interest especially in fantasy and then you know this year in the draft everyone was like, oh, you know, they should go out and protect him because, you know, he had a really bad 
injury last year because he was getting hit all the time. And instead they drafted Jamar Chase, which great. Jamar Chase, you know, from what everybody says is an amazing player. And he has a connection with Joe Burrow from their LSU days. And in the second round, they got a good offensive tackle. Um, and hi, you know, they were the first pick in the second, second round as well. Or no, not the first pick, uh, the sixth pick. But they're still ranked in PFF as the 25th offensive line. And so I don't know if it's, it's just me, but like he might be like seeing ghosts real quick out there. Um, and, and he's got three receivers, right? He's got Tyler Boyd, he's got Jamar Chase, and he's got T. Higgins. So it's like, it's probably going to get spread out where it's going to dilute the pool a little bit. Maybe, maybe there's a guy that like comes up and it's like, Oh, that's a wide receiver one, but I'm guessing that most of them end up being wide receiver twos, wide receiver threes. And at that point, I'm like, I'm just out. I, I don't want a like skittish guy who used to be able to run, maybe not running, not pushing that leg because it's not like he just, you know like he got the injury in training camp last year he got in like december (laughs) so it's not like he's at a full camp to come back or like a full like usually they're like almost years right so i don't know if he's gonna be like totally ready i'm not in on a, a a guy who had mobility now having it in the first year a knee injury and then having three wide receivers and still a very shaky offensive line. So I think that both, um, I think Jamar Chase is in our fourth in our projections and um, Burroughs in our third. So like in that, in that round or like Matt Ryan's going there, I would probably take Trevor Lawrence over him. Cause I just like, I'd, I'd rather see what that's all about. And then for um, Jamar Chase, there, you know, Ayuk could possibly be there. Um, you know, Galladay with the news, eh, you know, maybe not, but maybe, you know, someone, one of those other wide receivers from round three falls because of things happen. So, um, and then T Higgins is being kept and Tyler Boyd's further down. And that might be like a good bench player, but I, cause I don't have a lot of picks in the like eight, nine, 10. I'm not going to spend it on, Tyler Boyd. So um, that's where I'm at with them. I just, I just, there's nothing I can get really stoked about, about the Bengals. Yeah. Uh, sorry, good, good. I was going to say like, I mean, for the most part, I can't, there's almost no, none of that argument I can disagree with. Um, I think, yeah, I hadn't looked up any of the pro football focus stuff, but part of what the, the argument that was crystallizing in my head as you were talking was, I remember just how abysmal that offensive line was last year, specifically leading to just like, I remember watching live like Joe Burrow's injury, just thinking like, what were you guys doing? Like, this is a rookie quarterback. Like you should be running more. You should have, you should have had an offensive line to protect him. Um, And like, and to your point, like he didn't just injure his knee. Like he really, I mean, in the grand scheme of like other knee injuries that people get, like, he just like tore everything, dislocated that. They opened it up, put peanut butter inside it. I mean, like it was, it was, it was awful. So, um, yeah, I think like 
hearing during the offseason about just like, yeah, we need to protect Joe Burrows and build up the offensive line. And then you watch the draft and you kind of think, look at the moves they make. And it's like, before you even gave me the 25th number, I'm thinking, so what did they go from the worst offensive line to like, I, I don't know, fifth from worst? I mean, like they just didn't do um, enough to convince me there. Furthermore, with your argument on the wide receivers, yeah, I'm, I'm definitely on the side of, I think Jamar Chase seems like a super talented player, but like I had T Higgins in several, several leagues as well. And that dude's a super talented player too. So I don't, and he's so talented that like it, it, it the, the connection argument just doesn't sway me that much in, in any, in any direction. So it's funny that you sort of like hinted that because Tyler Boyd's way down there and he's a bench player, that's not even worth it because if I have to pick one player that I would consider drafting. It is actually Tyler Boyd, surprisingly enough, because I think of all those arguments that you just made and I think, okay, imagine you've got a second year quarterback with a still terrible offensive line coming back from a knee injury, seeing ghosts, but then you've also got a head coach who likely, if he doesn't do shit this year, he's going to get fired. Um, And so he's going to be like still trying to pull up all the stops and he just likes to throw, throw, throw and just do offense. Um, where are you going to throw the ball most likely probably your open slot receiver. Right. So like, I just think like if anyone draft Tyler Boyd, he's not going to be the, the one, a one B like the other two, but for the, for the price that you get him at for your bi-week bench player, slot him in and get like automatic points. That's, that's, that's where I'd look. One more thing I wanted to add in too. It's like, again, I really, I like when players play well, I, I want, I want Joe Burrow to like bounce back and, be the player that you know everyone projected him to be i am also just like god if he gets injured again because of this and you have who's who's his backup like it's brandon what brandon right oh god yeah he was ryan finley last year so i don't know if they No, it's it's oh i I just had it up too it's not good it's uh god where is it sorry brandon allen so like all of a sudden those guys lose just just become wide receiver three wide receiver four and like if he tweaks it if he it's he he's still recovering it happened i just looked it up on november 22nd so nine months ago not you know so it's not like it's it could get tweaked it could just be like oh you know what i'm not gonna push it he could come in and be like oh he may not start like there's just a lot of a lot of ifs with that and and i just don't want my like guys to get like my wider my quarterback to have like an injury history one year in the season behind the same offensive line basically or like not the same but like like you said five spots better than they were last year so um just to give my perspective on this so first thing um the cincinnati Bengals are a, a very unusual franchise they will not fire their coach um i don't think they've <laughs> fired a coach in over 30 years or something crazy. They, you sign a contract, you coach till your last day, and then they just don't renew you. Um, so he's he's going to be there for a couple of years. Um, we should find a way that, to bet that. We should what? find a way to bet that. We should find a way to bet that. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, everybody kept betting and losing money on Marvin Lewis, and then they just didn't renew his contract. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a death trap because it always seems the most appealing. But, um, but, I think that represents my concern, which I have about a lot of teams or certain teams is that like, you know, I look holistically at organizations and I think, you know, sometimes it's specific like coaches, like I remember specific, I'll, I'll give you a moment, 
it was I think it was the year you guys all were in LA and I was over at Mike's for the draft and you assumed because Miles Sanders was a rookie that I would take him but I already knew uh Todd Peterson doesn't he does does rookie uh running back by committee so I wasn't gonna <laughs> there was no world where I was taking a Todd Peterson running back uh um but I think like the Bengals are a world class organization of terribleness. I think they're the by far the worst organization in football. And Arizona had been up until about, you know, whenever Kurt Warner got there. Or maybe it was Larry Fitzgerald. His amazing soul fixed that organization. But they were a world class organization, including having like players' wives do uh, a charity bake off where they told all the players' wives were doing a charity bake off to raise money. And then the owner just took all the things they made and gave it to his friends in the owner's box and that just donated $5,000 in the name of it. Um, so, like, it just – they were just a terrible organization. And just – Cincinnati is worse than that. Um, they don't have an indoor practices facility. You know, I wonder if their med- medical staff is top flight. So, you know, who knows? And maybe that's, maybe that's why Carson Palmer, like, really was burnt out was when he blew up his knee – he was talking to other people who knew, like, oh, this is not how you treat somebody with a knee injury. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I don't – I hope Jay keeps Joe Barrow so it's never a question because I think, you know, looking down the list, um, you know, Matt Ryan, Trevor Lawrence, it, you know, it would be a hard question for me and Fitzpatrick because I don't think Fitzpatrick's playing 12 games this year. Um I'll take Fitzpatrick all day over Burrow. You know, I would definitely take Daniel Jones. I would probably take Justin Fields if I, depending how the draft fell. Like if I, if I, if I, you know, one of my strategies is to get a second quarterback early, who's pretty good. So I'm, you know, I'm hoping I can pick up Justin Fields as an option for later. But like, you know, Derek Carr, I would want Derek Carr before Joe Burrow. Um, wide receivers, I would just take a chance on Jamar Chase because I think. What I, I think I, we brought up last week with the trade is that I think so many young wide receivers are just changing the way we're thinking about football in the last seven years since that OBJ, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins draft. Um, so I'm willing to take a chance on him in the sixth or seventh round. Um, I would definitely take him over Debo or Chase Claypool or Juju or Robbie Anderson. Um, yeah, so I... I, I maybe I would as there as well, but like part of the magic of this league is finding value that you can also hold on to. So like Jamar chase in the fourth round for us doesn't pay dividends in future, you know, in future years, like finding right, that like those, what's the likelihood that he's worth a third round pick next year. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's another reason why I'm not taking it. I mean, he'd have to be such a killer this year to do that. So Justin Jefferson was like the seventh wide receiver pick last year. And you gave a second round pick for him. So like, it's not, on, but that, but then there's also in the eighth round. Yeah. So the value is there. He also bought the value of keeping him for a while. So like, that's what I mean. Like fine in our league, like I might draft Jamar chase in another league as my wide receiver for, if he's there in the seventh round, because he may be there at the seventh round in, in, in those leagues. And I'd be willing to be like, Oh, maybe there's upside. And like, he could slot in if he ends up being it, but like spending a fourth round in ours, I just, I'll just not do that. So um, anyway, I don't want to 
Yeah. Like, unless anyone else has anything to say, let's move on to the next I, section. Yeah, I'll, I'll just say, like, just to just give one final point on this. Like, I, I probably won't have any bangles on my team. Uh, I think somebody else will jump on Jamar Chase. But I, I, I wouldn't want the second or third wide receiver in this team. Uh, you know, I'm either betting on Jamar Chase or I'm like, well, you guys can decide between the second and third wide receiver on a 4-1 team next year. Uh, yeah, and anyone who wants to go after that Drew Sample tight end, be my guest. <laughs> Is okay, so now, no, he's on the, he's on the. Somebody, one of the Bengals tight ends went to the Cowboys. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so let's move on to the rules to discuss. We're going to talk about four rules. Um, what's that? Oh, I was just thinking this podcast isn't long enough yet. We should definitely talk about rules. <laughs> yeah, so let's let's keep these somewhat short, please. Uh, so uh, I think that the first one we're talking about is. Uh, the free agent waiver keeper loophole. So uh, Matt and Eamon are both in agreement in this, but just kind of discuss, again, give an idea, Eamon, what's behind this, and then maybe we can talk about quickly how to reword it or rework it so it makes sense for people. Um, sorry, so are we specifically talking, uh, is there a specific role you're talking about? And uh, Yeah, the, the free agent waiver keeper loophole rule. Okay, so... Um, this is probably a good one to talk through versus writing because it was confusing. Um, so basically, we used to have a we used to not be able to keep waiver players, and then we added that rule. And now, what can happen is, I think you know, Saquon Barkley is the best example of this. Is that, um, you know, he got hurt early in October. Matt was a championship team. He wasn't going to be a keeper in any situation because he was a first round pick. So Matt dropped him. If anybody picked him up before November 3rd, I think was the date, and just held him till the end of the year, they could keep him for a fourth rounder. Um, obviously, by talking about this, we have to do something because um, obviously nobody else noticed it. I thought about it, but I thought, you know, my angel outvoted my uh, my <laughs> devil on my shoulder. Um, so my my feeling is that Whatever round the player, my 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 formula I think is the easiest would be, it's whatever you can keep that player that was off, claimed off waiver for whatever round it was in, minus one as we progress every year, or the ADP plus three. But whatever is the more painful number is the best way to say, like the higher round pick of that formula. Um, so, you know, hypothetically, if Laurent cut Dak last year after he got hurt, um, you know, Dak's ADP is probably a second rounder right now. So that would be a fifth, but Laurent kept him all year. So it was a fourth. So if somebody else would have picked up Dak, I don't know if I'm, I'm definitely over explaining this. Um, you, you would have to pay the fourth instead of the fifth, which would be ADP plus three. Um, this is just, again, to just give the freedom of like, if you have a superstar player, and you're like, I don't want to screw up the entire league, especially for myself next year. I don't want to have to carry this guy. Like, I don't know if there's like, or maybe we can do a dead list. That's a bad word. Uh, as somebody who works on a murder show, um, we can do a out of the out for the year list. And like, if there's a player that's out of the year IR, they're not claimable. Um, I just think we have to come up with something. And even if this league vote doesn't go through and there's interest, I think. 
maybe we have to do a couple of emergency votes to find a happy medium of, of anything for everybody. Matt, your thoughts? Yeah, I, I mean, like, overall, I totally agree with the sentiment. Um, I think the, the quickest comparison I can draw here is that, like, you know, if you play in other leagues that don't have keepers, um, but they're concerned about keeping the waiver wire competitive, um, like Yahoo, for example, popularly in, in ESPN, they have can't cut lists because they don't want, um, you know, players, uh, managers who might be out of it by week six to go and just like flame out and just drop all their players to the waiver wire who are studs and then other teams can go and pick them up. So to me, that's sort of like, that's the closest reference I can think of here that, that Amos is trying to solve and he's trying to solve it for the keeper strategy, which makes perfect sense to me. Um, so I'm in alignment with that. Um, part of why I sort of like uh, stipulated in my personal lobbying rules that I that I felt more 50-50 on it is just because of the complication of the, the, the proposed rule to solve it. Because like basically, I hate rules um, in general. Um, rules are there only when you really need them uh, and they should be pretty straightforward and as, uh, and as, and as less, uh, not as restrictive as possible. So in this particular case, I feel like the, the purpose of the ADP plus three waiver keeper rule and, and like how sort of like proposed that and why I actually thought of like doing the, like the plus three thing and how we ever landed on that was to try and find a reward that could be given to a manager who was keen uh, and wavered a player and then kept them in an early enough slate so that they could, could keep them, but they couldn't keep them like a regular keeper. There would have to be a penalty, but they would still get a slight reward. So for me, like giving any reward to someone that picked up a Saquon Barkley last year, like to, to reward Eamon in any way, had he done that, um, seems counterintuitive to the to the sentiment in the first place. So the 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 way that I would solve this would be to to both clarify and try to simplify it as much as possible. And I would just say, look, what we're trying to do here is we're trying to account for these edge cases, like the perfect one even brought up. Saquon Barkley last year, he was my first round pick. He was my very first pick. He was the number one pick overall, and I lost him. And in hindsight, great idea for me to both cut him and to trade. Um, my hero player to Ryan to get a shitty running back so that I could make it into the playoffs and then win the championship. Great decision in hindsight, but at the time it was very, these were very painful choices that I was making and you know, it, no one should have been able to pick up Saquon at any point in time. So I think like if I was to simplify this, I would say, look, there's some threshold that we could probably all agree in which the draft capital that you paid for a player should for the most part, indicate that the following year, we expect them to also be fairly studly. They're not always going to be, you know, a, a back-to-back Dalvin Cook player. That's not always going to happen, but it's suggestive of their future potential worth. So let's just pick a round. Maybe it's first. Maybe it's that simple. Maybe it's the first three. Whatever we think is the, is the, is the threshold. And then we just say players who were drafted in the first X number of rounds, they just can't be, they can't be kept uh, if they're picked up off of waivers. So if they happen to be dropped, they're not like, I, I think it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to sort of like say the rule be like, Oh, you can't waiver them because I guess if you wanted to pick them up and like put them on your bench, go for it. I don't think that's preventing anything. I think the real crux of that argument is you just can't keep them. Even if you pick them up, they're not keepable. And that's how I would simplify it. And then I would vote for it. And I think it would pass. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have much to put into this. Uh, like I agree with the sentiment. I, I like the idea that ADP plus three is actually like an advantageous thing. Uh, and it does reward someone who makes a good pickup. Like the James Robinson example that from the, the draft or from the previous pod. Hey, should have been, so, been way better. Should have been way better. Uh, anyway, 
let's move on to the next well, one. So, like, I just, before we move too quickly, um, I don't know. I'm actually now just talking through it. I think maybe my idea of if if you are out for the year and you're on waivers, you're not keepable. Is that, like, does that make you guys feel more gross? Do you, does that excite you? Because, like, like, then it really just alleviates some of the the management because like it's pretty easy to know who's out for the year november 2nd or 3rd or whatever our trade deadline is yeah i mean i guess i would think like i can think of an additional edge case there where it's like if it was somebody that was drafted in like the seventh round um, we can use another example close to home like let's say for example um when ray drafted justin jefferson last year uh then halfway through the season he was injured and out for the season and then, but prior to the trade deadline, I was super into Justin Jefferson. So I go pick him up and keep him on my roster then for the rest of the year. Um, then should I not be able to keep him? I mean, like in that scenario, you know, like it gets pretty, pretty, pretty um, gray. And that's why I think that it's like, we should really pick what we're trying to say here. Are we really trying to say that we don't want people like Saquon Barkley's winding up on people's team? Or are we saying that we just don't want anyone who was out for a season to be like, scooped up for that that we were party i think i personally think that there is a breaking point at some point um maybe it's round two three four five i wouldn't go much further than that if i'm being honest but like somewhere in there i think there is a, a threshold that most managers would agree upon um if we could figure out what that is that's where i would start but that's just my personal opinion yeah i mean if, if you start the, the thing is if you start doing it randomly like that is that like for example if michael thomas um, if Michael Thomas is supposed to be out for two months and somebody decides to spend their 12th round pick on Michael Thomas and he kind of gets hurt and then next year um, Aaron Rodgers ends up in New Orleans like everybody's going to think Michael Thomas is a is a first round pick and then if somebody picked him up in October um, that would be pretty rough like I think that's it's the, that's the problem with the arbitrary like cut off in rounds um is like there is just so many weird examples of like either running backs who will get hurt multiple times but you know michael thomas definitely sticks out i mean ray ray is in a position to do that this year is that like mike cut Cortland sudden and you know he's one of ray's keepers and i you know i don't think it's a big problematic thing because it's Cortland sudden and he's in a cloudy situation with terrible quarterbacks and a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick also playing wide receiver and a first right and 10 end. So it's like, you know, there's a, there's not a world where court and Southern will be a first or second round pick next year. But, um, I think some of this stuff is murky. So I'm, I'm just trying to figure out the simplest way. And I think, you know, talking through this, maybe I'll revise the rule to just say players who are out for the year, once they go on waivers, they can't be claimed. Cause that can't really, you can't really do that in the NFL. You have to get a medical clearance. So if we're trying to replicate the NFL, that would be a situation. Sure. Yeah. I mean, like, sure. I think what we've, we've certainly demonstrated here that like this is, I, again, I'm 50-50 on it because of the lack of clarity. I, I think we're all aligned on the sentiment, but if there, some work needs to be done there and hashing out like exactly what the, the breaking point is, to, I think, move me closer to the, we should pass something like this. Great. Uh, let's move on to the next one. I'm going to skip one that we had just for sake of time. And go to one that's kind of two things. Um, no, sorry, two different ones. Uh, QB points, Matt. This is where you and Eamon are split. Uh, hmm. And 
say what your rule is. These the are rule two is of pretty, yeah, the rule is pretty simple. It's just like um, we have a, a, a very traditional scoring system in the fact that we award four points for QBs throwing passing touchdowns. So uh, my proposal is to make it six points, um, which is not uh, always typical. Some leagues are six points, some leagues are four. I think at this point, uh, four points, definitely the more common um, setup. But um, yeah, the, the thing that, that, I, that I think it does is twofold. One, um, it's, and the reason why it's most important is it, it helps with the sort of uh, balancing out the, the running quarterback advantage. Like we, we've known for some time and it's pretty straightforward that like running quarterbacks just have an advantage by the nature of their skill set and how they're used. They're going to get those rushing yards. But to me, they're actually doing something to get it. So, so even though I think it does like throw off the balance quite a bit, to me, that seems like a realistic imbalance and the fact that like they are legitimately more skilled at doing a different thing running the ball and they get points for that um so i know some people are against that but i don't actually have a problem with it i think what i have a problem with is that like you've got i'll use a perfect example because it happens to me all the time um you're down at the you know five yard line and patrick mahomes is there and for some reason like if he runs in the ball versus throwing it to travis kelsey he gets more points um, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, the, like the argument there seems to be that there should be, um, you know, more skill required for him to run it in, but he's not going to run it in unless it makes sense for him to run it in. So, um, that that's the overall like philosophical argument there. Um, that I get that, like what it, the reason why four points is there in the first place is because it's, it's designed to sort of like, um, normalize the discrepancy between how many points QBs really do score then if they're scored for six points. And it is, it is substantial. So there would be like bigger differences and variances there. And it would change a lot of things like drafting strategy and keeper strategy. Uh, but yeah, I've just, I'm, I'm all for it from the sense of like trying to actually bring more value to a two quarterback league in the sense that like you could actually draft like a real, like how valuable quarterbacks really are. Like they wouldn't be as spread out in our league draft wise if they were as valuable as they truly are for, you know, their NFL teams and for the season. So that's the crux of the argument. Um, so I would say just one of the points is you talk about specifically Mahomes is the reason you don't get six points is because throwing a passing touchdown requires, you know, I, I don't like this and Mike doesn't like this. And I don't know who else played offensive line in high school and before um, we're just going to dismiss Lyman, but if Mahomes runs it in, he did it by himself. Um, if he throws a passing touchdown, it requires at least one other player, if not a couple other players with just things going on, um, whether it's like a screen or whatever like that. So it's, you know, it is harder to run it in. So there is that like small element. Um, you know, I will just. So to rebut that, why do wide receivers get six? Because they require someone throwing them the ball. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah. or the running back, like the running back who like goes out on a screen pass and catches the pass. They're still, I mean, that that's so the, the really quickly point there is that like, I totally agree with what your sentiment is there, but I don't actually agree with the, 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 the thought process that it is more difficult. Like think like it's different when you're comparing someone like Kyler Murray, where like plays will be like designed for him to actually run it in. And that's the whole plan. And so like, he will have a, an ability and a skill to do that or not. Whereas if Patrick Mahomes or somebody else who's not necessarily even a running quarterback is running it in, that's actually usually because someone else did actually do some work on their behalf. Like the O-line cleared a huge 
gaping hole <laughs> and it only makes sense for him to do it. Or um, the running back really pulled the defense off of the, the quarterback or a wide receiver is wide open and two of the, the defense men in the end zone have to go to double coverage all of a sudden and there's wide open space. So I, I don't always think it's a strategic thing there. I think it's just it's like you take what you get and sometimes it's a passing touchdown and sometimes it's a running touchdown. I mean, I, I don't want to get bogged down with this, but I, I think when we're talking about statistics and the word hard and difficult and stuff, it's a little tricky, but um, the probability is, and it's not really even a probability is, QBs will throw more touchdowns. So it's easier for yeah. them to throw touchdowns than it is for wide receivers to catch touchdowns. Um, Randy Moss has the all-time record for receiving touchdowns. I think it's 24. That's a bad total of touchdowns for quarterbacks in the current NFL. So I don't want to get bogged down. But the, there's a reason why you still that towards running backs and wide receivers is to, to minimize that. Um, you know, overall, what I kind of, you know, I, I sent out an email. I hope it wasn't too confrontational about it, but um, I, I think this is pretty terrible. I'm, you know, I, I like, I'm just looking at the board, like, you know, Joe Burrow went in the fourth round last year. Um, who else? Aaron Rodgers. Well, that was because he was coming off a bad year. Kirk Cousins went in the fourth round. Like, do we want to make Kirk Cousins a second round pick? Do we want to make uh, Cam Newton, who just was in camp for like a week at this point, like higher than a fifth round pick. Jimmy Garoppolo, fifth round. Like we're over drafting QBs as it is. And I think, you know, as I as I illuminated to it, like if Brady gets six points per touchdown last year, he scores almost twice as many points as DeAndre Hopkins, who was, you know, I don't know where he finished that because he was kind of hurt at the end of the year, but he was definitely in the top five, if not top three wide receivers. And I, I you know, you know, I would, it'd be hard to not just, pile up on locked in quarterbacks those first three or four rounds and like and then like it's just you know it's it's you know teddy bridgewater went in the seventh round last year that's absurd um so i'm, I'm just i i think you know i came up with a formula if we're trying to really balance out quarterbacks and make the better more valuable quarterbacks um i think you have to really focus on other things besides the passing touchdowns because i think that that's still too, too much um, in the direction. I think you have to play with passing yards. You have to play with rushing yards. Um, um, it doesn't have to be exactly that formula, but I, w I would look at that to, like, you know, to make Aaron Rodgers one of the best seasons ever last year um, more impactful in fantasy versus, you know, a Kyler Murray who had a very good season, but it wasn't Aaron Rodgers. So, like, I, I, I don't disagree that is the point. Like, as soon as sleeper lets us like change rushing QB points like that, that'll be the first rule I put it there. Even with somebody like Kyler Murray, it's like, I fundamentally don't like that, but I also don't want to make our league to the point where like, you know, Matt Ryan's in the first round again, when it's like, he hasn't been good for three years. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Matt. I'll just jump in. I, yeah. I think that our, our league is already pretty heavy uh, quarterback. Uh, and it, like I talked to you about this offline, Matt, that I'm in Amon's camp here. It's like guys are going so early uh, with QB and like it, it's gone so quickly that I, I just don't want to value QBs more. And like, I'm not always in agreement with the fantasy community, but I think that there is a reason why it has stayed and the predominant four point for passing 
there are leagues that do that. And it's like, okay, now they become really important. Uh, but those are usually one QB leagues. Um, so that moves the, the QBs up into rounds instead of it, it, it halts late round QB um, like draft method. So I, I'm not there yet. I think that there might be a solution because uh, I'm, I'm a little bit like, yeah, like I'm kind of tired of like running QBs, but <laughs> that, yeah, that's just yeah. a person. That's just a personal preference. I, and it, I don't think that it's um, so that's just kind of where I fall. Yeah, I, I feel you. I mean, to, to put a bow on it, I think it's, I, I think I could throw out there that we would all immediately align around the fact that like you should, if you're, if you're able to score QB passing touchdowns differently, you should be able to score QB rushing touchdowns differently too. And if only we had the ability to just say, okay, well, QB rushing touchdowns are also worth four points. I actually think that would be the perfect solution to the problem that I'm trying to solve here. And, and I think most people would be more on board with that. You just can't do that yet. And so that's the solution that I'm looking for for what it's worth. Um, you know, I think, I think you both might be over indexing on if you boost the, the quarterback points that automatically means that they're going to be drafted higher all around. Because I, I also think like we've, we've already got two, a two QB league to sort of, it, we're already inflating quarterback value through the two QB system. So my hunch is actually that like, if you boost it so that it's just more realistic, you're still boosting all quarterbacks in a certain way. And so it, I would, I would actually think that while a couple of them might move a different round sooner, like there's still like all the quarterbacks are worth yet yeah, dr- dramatically more than certain running backs or wide receivers, but you can still only play two of them. So it's not like everyone's going to be like clamoring to like overdraft quarterbacks now because those points are value and they might move up a, a, like a round or two, but I actually think it would be um, more like better and more realistic if more often in our first two rounds, we didn't just see so many running backs and then usually so many wide receivers. And it was actually more of a balance of like, yeah, sometimes you're going to take Patrick Mahomes in the first round in this league, even though there's two QBs and even though it's normalized, like, and that, you know, I I think that would be a a better situation. Um, But I'm also like, I I will admit that like, because I'm so anti-rule and so anti, like trying to explain things and calculations and making too many changes that my overwhelming feeling is that like, if not, if everyone's not on board with the quick fix of a six point TD rule, I would just let it go. Like I wouldn't try and then get down into the weeds and mess with the, with the formulas at that point and try and come up with something that we then have to like refine and tweak and whatever every year. Uh, I would just then let it pass and I would just keep submitting a request to sleeper to add the feature that we actually want. Yeah. I, cool. mean, I, I would just, uh, just, you know, just when we're talking about value of QBs, you know, one of Brad's trades was he gave me Devontae Adams to get Derek Carr. Like, you know, preseason, we're all cool-headed and level-headed, but when you're in season, you need a QB. And then, like, you know, he made that trade because Devontae Adams was injured, which happens with the position players way more, and Derek Carr was a guaranteed starter. Um, so I think, you know, that that's the thing is, that, like, the QB position, for the most part, 80 or 90% of them are going to play 15 or more games. And that's just not going to be true. Definitely not about running backs and probably mostly about wide receivers. So I, I think that's the, the crux is like, I don't want to draft, um, I don't know who's the third. I don't want to draft DJ Moore over Kirk Cousins if it's six points per touchdown because I think that's just too much to lose because like, I don't think DJ Moore is going to give me what Kirk Cousins could in that situation. But yeah. Okay, and let's move on to the final thing that we're going to talk about tonight, which is uh, Matt's throwback rule. 
Um, I think that Matt, this kind of a flyer role for you, you like it just to kind of like change things up, but why don't you just give a quick breakdown of what it is and then why you're lobbying for it. Uh, so the quick breakdown is to um, maintain our, the existing format of sort of strategizing to have, to, to position your team to have three keepers, but then to basically throw a wild card uh, status into a wild card um, status into it. And then say, you know, during the off, like during the off season and, and as we're actually um, uh, preparing for off season, that when you select your keepers, there is a, a randomized element of it where you have to throw back one of them. And it's not just that, like you pick one of them, throw back. Cause that wouldn't, I don't think that would appease the whole like three to two um, sort of like gambit thing here. It's that, you know, I, for example, uh, this year, it, it should be obvious, but I'm happy to disclose uh, currently who my keepers would be. That would be, um, you know, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Jefferson and Terry McClure. So I would submit those as my keepers. And then at the draft time, those keepers would get assigned to, for an example, three different random colored square sticky notes. And I would write them down on that. And then as everyone is announcing their keepers uh, in, in the pre-draft or something, I would hold up the three colors and I would say, or you actually, Eamon would in this place, Eamon would be my, my um, judge. And he would say, okay, Matt, pick a color. And I would be like, blue. And he would flip over the green one and I'd see like Terry McLaurin. And then he'd flip over the red one and I'd see... Uh, Justin Jefferson, I'd be like, holy crap, I just threw Patrick Mahomes back and I did it to myself technically because I picked the color and I could have picked blue and I didn't. Um, and so I think that that's uh, kind of funny. So that's the, the overall strategy. The reason why I'm lobbying for it, um, even though I, I take issue with uh, uh, Eamon's uh, characterization that it's a Trojan horse thing, it is a, a, like a thinly veiled attempt for me to try and weasel the league back to just going to two keepers. Like, again, a full disclosure, I've never played in a keeper league other than this one, but I've certainly uh, researched like dynasty leagues. And I know I made this stink when we first moved to three, but it's just like, at some point in time, we're just, we're keeping so many players that to me, like part of what makes, um, you know, fantasy football fun is, is the draft. And I know that some people think that accounting for players in the draft and keeping them as a fun draft strategy for them it's not as much for me so I, I know that a lot of that is tweaked in in my favor but just like to me like picking players is all like strategically and 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 uh, gambling on them and then sometimes winning and sometimes losing um is also really fun and you can parse the numbers all you want and i know Amy's going to disagree with my math but just i'll just talk subjectively then that each year since we've started drafting in this league it just feels like every year more and more players that I'm sure all of us are interested in just can't even be drafted. And I'm certainly okay with the, um, the other side of that subjective argument, which is, well, that's because someone's keeping them and that they're like known for their team. Like, I absolutely think it's great that everyone associates me with Patrick Mahomes and has, since I've been in the league with him. I love that. But do I really need to be associated from even a fandom standpoint with three players? I don't think that's a, a requirement. And so like, to me, it seems like two for whatever reason, even though everyone, you know, uh, on here, I think is going to disagree with me Two feels like a pretty decent balance. in the fact that it's like, you've still got two players. You can still be fans with them. It still overwhelmingly associates those two players with me as a team, but it puts another 12 players. Since again, one thing I haven't even talked about yet, cause I'm trying to keep this short is that like, don't forget in this league, bless it. Our namesakes. We're also removing people that we, we think are bad dudes from the draft. So we just have this huge list of players. It's almost like four or five keepers, technically, worth of players that we just don't offer into the draft pool each year. 
Um, and I would rather we have more, plain and simple. Uh, I'll go first. I, I'm a fan of three keepers just because I like my keepers. So, like, that's why <laughs> sure. I like my I keepers. like mine now, too. You know, that, that's what I, <laughs> But I, the reason that I like this rule is that, like, I like the chaos. I like I like the heartache. I like I would Can like that wrinkle. You're saying I, I think it's a little confusing because again, this is like uh, we don't have to talk about what I cliched it as or termed it, but there's two specific things that are happening in this rule. So can you just say what you like? Sure, I like the the throwback thing. I like that that idea of throwing back somebody and having that thing be an event within our preseason. Um, and just having that like emotion and having that like heartache and having that, like that sort of fun. I would like love, I would love to laugh at Matt as he has to throw back Patrick Mahomes and then right, right afterwards being like, Oh, Chubb is going See back later, Nick and, Chubb. <laughs> and rename your, you know, like, and like, and then I, just, I pick up Nick Chubb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I, I like that idea. Uh, you still get to strategize. You still get to do that 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 with your keeper thing i i don't know if it's like the best thing for the like the league but i like i kind of like it our league is already pretty complicated so putting that in there might overcomplicate sure. it um and make it just like oh god there's just, here's just another thing that we do um but i i kind of like the agent agent of chaos part of it even though i am like i want to keep all three of my guys that's all I got to say. So like I can clobber Eamon really quick here and just say that like one area where definitely I'm sure we will agree on is that the most precipitous downside to a tactic like this is absolutely um, the balance of the trade market. Um, yeah, nobody would ever trade. You would not have traded for Justin Jefferson. Okay. First of all, nobody would ever trade is absolutely incorrect all of us would still trade it the val the value would swing drastically and we can't really predict in any way how drastically and in which ways it would swing and i think that is certainly problematic and you're right no i wouldn't have traded for justin jefferson because i already would have had two and i would have just thrown james robinson in there and hope that he was the one that got sent back but again the funny part about that is that like he could have not so then i could have wound up with james jefferson and or james robinson and terry mclaurin man that wouldn't have been uh the most ideal situation so like that's the thing that I think is most problematic. Um, I still think it's worth it for the fun aspect of it to consider it. Just, uh, I'll do a second sign on this. Um, okay, so literally this has been a conversation <laughs> for three years. Um, I don't have all the points readily. I'm exhausted by this. I will... I, I was even exhausted writing that long email. I, I left out one of the important details, again, of like what the footballers do that's very different than what we do is they just keep their three best player. There is no round thing there. So that's why they still trade. Cause they're like, there is like, there's no, you want the three best players you can get. So you offer picks to get a Jonathan Taylor, or if you like chase Claypool and you, I mean, chase Claypool is probably a, a bad one, but a Justin Jefferson would be somebody that if you believe in Justin Jefferson, you would go trade for. Um, I don't, you know, I, I think I, I don't know which argument I, I've written all this stuff already. You know, looking at most everybody's team, um, Brian's or so. Let's go. Frank has 
uh, Tyler Ockin in the sixth round. Ryan has good keepers, but then Ryan, Chris Godwin's a fifth round ADP guy. Um, I'm keeping Chase Edmond, who's ADP of eight. Jay's keeping two seven round ADP guys. Brad has a five and a seventh ADP guy. Well, I guess that's changed now that you have who. Um, whatever. You had Mark Andrews, so this assumption of that. Um, Brad gave you Deontay Thomas, which was a sixth round guy. Ray's keeping Tua, probably, who's a ninth round guy. Like, th- this idea that, like, we're losing so much of the top 50 or the, the first four rounds, and we have, what, five bad guys? Like, you know, I, I, it's, it's, at the end of the day, what I will do right now, just to sum this up, is I really enjoy having three keepers. I think I like having strategy. I know what I'm doing with the back end of my first round. Um, even though I don't know specifically the players, I have a strategy. If I had two players, I don't think I would have a strategy. Um, I think just alone to avoid texts from your brother, Brad, because like he at least has three players so he, he he's not going to spin out of control like there's just more security about what Brad knows he's going to do. He has he has a good running back, he has a QB, he has uh, a a wide receiver so he's like balanced and he's going to get a tight end. So like he's pretty secure. He has a quarter of his roster in his head ready to roll. And I think, you know, I you know, I liked Chase Edmonds. I paid more attention to his social media feed. He would be the guy who I wouldn't keep this year. And, you know, I like the bonding thing. Um, I, I think, just exhausted by this conversation about the two keepers, um, you know, it. You know, Brad warned me that you were doing this, and I thought of it, you were going to do it, like, to the line of what um, the footballers do, which is, again, they submit four keepers, they end up with three, they get to franchise one of their players, which I think you would probably franchise Mahomes, Brad would franchise Nick Chubb. I would franchise Kyler Murray. Um, and then those players you can't lose, which I think ultimately would – like if you would have came with that, I would not be as opposed and I wouldn't have called it a Trojan horse because it seems like even in your description, most of your time was talking about the two keepers and not actually this rule of throwing players back. So I, you know, I don't want to just – I'm afraid of rules that I can't think of um, that will have like two and three parts to it that will affect the league and we can't like have a, a thought out conversation of like the impact, like adding two points to passing TDs is going to affect the league, but we can all focus on it and kind of come to our own conclusion. But this is, this is a lot of elements with draft round keepers, how many we're keeping, you know, the fact that we can't keep, like, we don't know who we're keeping. So it's like, I don't know. I, I think I think it's very problematic. I don't want to spend too much time. I'm going to forward the emails from all the evidence because I've, I've already researched this and I've, I've, I've made a strong case and we voted on two keepers and got eight votes. Last year, one person changed their vote. Maybe there'll be another person this year. This year too. still at six. And then we've just exhausted so much of our time talking about this instead of like, this is the will of the league. Let's move on. Like, I'm only putting my stupid kicker, kicker idea in there to just give an example of probat, probation rule. Like, if we don't do kickers, if we don't get rid of kickers, it's not going to upset me that much because that was the will of the league. Um, same thing with six playoff teams. Like, I, I like, I don't like it, um, but like, I'm at peace with it. That was the will of the league. I, I, I lost. I move on. So I, I just, I think that's the ultimately kind of the frustration with this. Is this? This feels more about 
two keepers and undermining what people have already voted on. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, it is about two keepers, but I, I think it's like, don't minimize the fact that like how I arrived at this idea was actually to try and find a way to technically run two keepers, but to appease an aspect of the three keeper, um, uh, basically the strategy aspect of three keepers, because you, you can still strategize, you're still strategizing your draft and your waiver playing and your in-season play for the potential to keep three players. Um, again, I like think, I said- I think you're under, like, I think you're undermining the like emotional connection I have with players. Like I've always liked certain players. Like, listen, one of the first names I think of when I think of fantasy football is Sam Congato. Google it. You'll figure out pretty quickly. There'll be like four articles from 2003 and you'll figure out exactly why I know Sam Congato. And he's my example that I always bring up. And like, you know, it's awesome. He was a guy who won me a, a championship because he was signed to the Packers in late November and he was the starting running back and he scored 20 points a game. Like, I like being bonded with my players. Like, I don't want to lose them. I want the security of having my team. So, like, you know, again, like what I said in the email is like, I feel this is really dismantling the fandom, the enjoyment, the connection we have with these guys who, like, I really am very much aware that I don't want to be somebody yelling at a screen like, F you, you screwed me. This is BS. You're lazy. I want to avoid that. This is all an enjoyment thing. I don't know why we have to sever the tie to the players that I like. I mean, yeah, I get where you're coming from. I'll also just say, like, I'm going to be honest. Knowing that it's that, like, that, that the fandom aspect and the tying to the three players is so important to you, I'm not going to lie, only makes me want this rule more. <laughs> just because, like, that's the point. The point is that, like, you can still be a fan. You can still be super passionate and have it be, like, well, now I have to refill that player. Like, uh, to me, I think like, while I get your argument about like um, not being able to tie the variables and the one I agreed with you on that I absolutely will, will admit willingly upfront that I have no idea how it would affect it is, is, is the trade market. But I would challenge the rest of it. I mean, like, I think the reality is the difference between keeping three players and keeping two we've seen, like, it's not that much difference and it's very quantifiable. We know what happens. Um, but I do think it's a little bit, um, unfair to sort of like look at the current slate of where people are being kept and the current list of bad dudes and forget that that changes each year. And it's not but two years ago in which, you know, we were taught, we, we had Ezekiel Elliott, Tyreek Hill, Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, um, Jameis Winston, Antonio Brown. And those, those were not, you know, fifth, seventh round guys. Those were all within the first three round in normal leagues. Um, and they were all out of the pool. And those were just the bad dudes list. That's not the keepers in, 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 on top of it so that that my main point there is that like on any given year the sliding scale of players that we're moving from the draft pool goes up and down substantially already based on the bad dudes and the position of players and they were just i just feel like it's pretty quantifiable that if we go from three to two each year that we're keeping um that that adds 12 players quantifiably back into the draft at some point will they all be top players no but because they were going to be kept it's likely that they were either super valuable or their top players. And I think that it's kind of cool that if the way that we do that is via an element of absolute absurd chaos, crazy making, like, I just think that's fun. I mean, we did the math. Like, I did the math last year. And, like, based off the projections we have this year, at least 10 of the players are drafted in the fifth round or later of our keepers. And there may be more that we haven't analyzed. Like, 
it, it just isn't what you guys said. It isn't what this argument is. And, you know, and I, I will tell you the things me and Brad, like we would pause on the podcast to like break down, like who specifically we're talking about. And all of the third keepers were the later round guys that are just like sucking up time. Like, you know, Chris Godwin was the third keeper for, for Ryan and, and Chase Edmonds is the third keeper for me. Like, I, I don't want to keep doing this, but like, the idea that like it's affecting the first round, it, it only affected the, that one year because the NFL cracked down and there was a, a rash of really terrible players. Like, you know, those guys all happen at once. But, you know, also the league is actually self-correcting at this point because we're we're at a point where the first round is actually much more reflective than it's ever been. The best running backs are going to be available. Um you know, other than Alvin Kamara, all the top four or five running backs will probably be available. Like Taylor, I'll keep. But, you know, Saquon, uh, Dalvin Cook, CMC, they're all there. Like, it's 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 just not – I don't think it's an argument. I just – I hope if you lose this year, if you lose this vote this year, we don't talk about the number of keepers for five years. I think that's a very rational thing just so we don't have to keep seeing my – emails that I wrote like three years ago that are still accurate. Like it's, 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 it's tough to like, I don't want it. I don't want this to become like a government bill where we're fighting against, you know, the affordable care act. And it's like, no, this is a slightly different tweak. It's like, no, but people like it. It, it, It's a successful thing. It's not perfect. And there is like 30 to 40% of the league. You know, last year there was 40% of the league that wanted to go to two keepers, but like, that's not the majority. And I think at a certain point we should just like, except where we're at and and you know people like three keepers like if if this if this doesn't pass i just really hope we can move past this well one promise i can make you is that if this doesn't pass i i will never uh propose a vote that will change the number of keepers that we have i will not do that but i will also throw in there as a challenge that like i mean things change you know like i i i I would challenge you to not get like bent out of shape about a proposal that repeats i mean it's just like I, I'm not doing it this year because you did it, but you know what? Like, I will tell you right now that while keepers is something that I will not revisit if this one doesn't pass every year that it's not on there, I will add remove kickers from the league. Don't you dare enough, enough people vote for it because that's how much I think it should change. Like, I'm not going to be bent out of shape if it doesn't. And I would, so I just hope that you don't get bent out of shape if I continue to submit it. Like if it's, if it really is the will of the league, then it also shouldn't be that big of a deal for everyone to just keep saying no, because it's just a simple Google vote sheet. Like it's not, the, it's not the, I'm not asking that much. I'm just asking you to vote no if you don't like it. But the, but the thing is like, do we have to always, because we have to litigate it then, right? Like if somebody says this isn't working, we have to try this thing. It's like, no, we, we know this doesn't work. We, we, we talked about this. Like, like you can't, you can't like, I don't know. I don't really want to, get in a rabbit hole but like if we just constantly relitigate it like it just becomes this heavy thing like i i'm i'm happy with the rule change i think uh no i'm not happy with the rule change i'm happy with how we're handling rules i think people much you know even talking to the people i talk barely about this stuff with they actually understand what the person is suggesting and why they're suggesting it um you know whether they agree or not i think it's better but i also think like sometimes just getting locked into these things is, is just rough. And like, you know, I had some crazy rule suggestions year one and it, it, I was like, okay, this, this league isn't for the crazy rule suggestions. Um, and I just, I, you know, I think it's just, I think it's just the thing of like, 
it feels frustrating because I, I I've spent so much time trying to address people's concerns about this specific issue because I feel strongly about it. I did the research. I've shown that like there's either nine players or there was twelve players two years ago or whatever. The you know at least one third of the players are coming from after the fifth round, and those are always the fringe guys. It seems like I, you know that's okay. So the the horse is dead. Let's yeah. stop talking about it and we'll wrap this up with one thing if kickers get voted out this year next year i'm vo- i'm putting the thing up to be like should we put kickers in because i want probationary, I, Brad. I will always stand for kickers uh i you, you as i said as i stand for like at the beginning of this topic which you guys went on about i like having chaos i like having a little bit of like who like i could research as much as i want i can do all that stuff and sometimes fucking robbie gould will win me a a week and i love having that be a part of it uh so um i guess it's just vote with your heart vote with your heart guys okay so you want to try the probationary element of it like just like we'll do it a year but then it's still it'll i think it's too complicated i think it's too complicated if people, instead of doing a probationary thing, if it gets voted out, it gets voted out. And if I want want to put it back in, then I'll put it up to get it back in. I don't think that probationary needs anything. I think it just complicates to have another rule in there. All right. It's been a long night. Uh, let's wrap it up. Um, Matt, I'm guessing that the person that you're drafting your hero play is um, Tyler Boyd. Okay. Uh, <laughs> been nice chatting with you we're gonna have more guests on we're starting to reach out to other managers um say good good night gentlemen good night thanks for having me yeah nice having you back <laughs>